0: In this week's lesson, Sister Hannah Troxell speaks on the topic of abortion. This topic may contain sensitive material, so listeners, please be aware of that. Um, somehow I think I get all the difficult topics, so I'm going to be talking to Brother Lopez about that. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but I do have sort of a difficult topic again, so... I apologize it's not that I just love talking about difficult things but I do think that they are important for our time and for us to be kind of aware of not only what is right and what's wrong but how to explain to people in our culture what is right and what's wrong and sometimes that means digging a little further than we're comfortable with Um, today I am going to speak on abortion and not I'm I'm going to assume that everyone in here agrees that that is probably wrong and if you've been in a situation or anyone listening to the podcast where you've been there I believe that there's definitely grace to forgive you and I am thankful that God is forgiving um, for all of our sins Um, but we are going to kind of tackle what the Bible says about it um, where where science is and um, camera you can correct me anytime I'm wrong. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) That's fine, too. Um, One man said, I am so pro-women's rights, I believe they begin right at conception. Let them live. So the question everyone kind of asks is, when does life begin? I'm going to try to say this man's name, Scott Klusendorf. Uh, You can YouTube him on Ethics at the Edge of Life. And there are several videos to watch. Brother Kilman told me about this resource Sunday. I probably watched mm, half of four of them. They're like an hour and a half long. They just kind of loop back in. But there's, I think, like 40. They just have all of this information. So if you're interested or if anyone is asking you questions, you should definitely look up Scott Klusendorf, which is K-L-U-S. E-N-D-O-R-F And ethics at the edge of life So he says To answer the question When does life begin He says well Dead things don't grow But what we see in the embryo Is in fact growth In 1981 um, There was a vote And it was a unanimous vote That life begins at conception It was a unanimous vote Everyone agreed this is when it begins. However, what was not agreed upon was how we should deal with that life that has begun. Um, from the very beginning, as an embryo, we are distinct, living, and whole. And Scott Klusendorf goes in to describe we are distinct in that we are different in kind from each cell of our parents. So we are not identical to those cells. And we all kind of know that. We are different. We are separate. We are living in that. Again, dead things don't grow. So we are in fact living. Cellular reproduction, building and tearing down of systems, an embryo in control of its own internal development. So there is life going on here. And an embryo is a whole being. No longer is it a part, but a whole that has parts or cells or cells all working together to promote the health of this organism and he described it as like if you went and saw a car being built you would see parts coming and constructing a vehicle but because we are life we kind of grow from the inside out it's not parts that come and then keep forming together it's just growth and to promote the health of the organism he can definitely describe it better he is a scientist and a Christian one at that and so he is a great resource I really challenge you to go look it up I wish that I could describe it as in-depth but again he has like 40 videos of hours long so unless you guys would like to be here for the next week you should just go look it up um he the challenges to this view of that we are distinct living and whole is how can you say that when twinning can occur up to 14 to 20 days after conception basically saying if we are distinct then how can twinning happen after this and he quotes aristotle who says what happens when you cut a flatworm in half does anybody know it um like there's two there's no longer just one but now there's two so if we want to say well if twinning can happen 14 to 20 days after then it The embryo wasn't in fact alive before that, then we would say, well, if there can be two flatworms after we split them in half, then in fact they were not living before that. But it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. And um, Scott Klusendorf recognizes that this is an Aristotle thought, even. And so basically, people try to say, well, twinning can happen at 14 to 20 days after conception. So before that, then abortion would be okay. Um, they, he then goes in to describe that the high number of miscarriages proves that, he, he's kind of, he's saying what our culture would say, what people are saying. So he's kind of combating towards them. He's saying there's a high number of miscarriages prove that embryos are not whole living beings. Um, nature doesn't live, nature doesn't let them live very long. So obviously they are not an alive entity. Um, Klusendorf goes on to explain that the third world countries' infant mortality rates are astronomically high. But that doesn't mean that because they die sooner rather than later that these infants were not living just because there's a really high rate there. Um, and he also explains that because nature spontaneously doesn't allow this embryo to live that we may deliberately kill these embryos um he also explains that ellen goodman um has this thought experiment and she says okay so if you think an embryo is an alive person you're saying that this is just like one of us what happens if i have in a science lab 12 embryos over here and a baby over here and the burning the building catches on fire it's a burning building now Which one? You can only save one. You only have time to save one. Which one would you save? The 12 embryos or this one child? The baby, right? And so at first when he starts talking about this, I'm like, oh, you're stuck. Like, how are you going to get out of this? But he's a scientist, so he has a little bit more information than I do. And he says, well, of course, because you have an emotional attachment with that baby just by looking at it you have more of an attachment to it. Um, uh, like I would say, I would save my six-year-old niece in a building rather than 12 people I've never met before because that's my niece, that I have an emotional attachment to her To rather than all these people I've never met before. But just like I would save my niece, I wouldn't purposefully go and kill those other people on my way out of the building. And he says... Her analogy is flawed because it is about whom we would choose to intentionally save and not intentionally kill. So she's asking, who would you save? Well, yes, you're going to save the one that you have the emotional attachment to. That's in our human nature. But we're not saying, well, I'm going to go kill everyone that's in my way. Um, and I guess that this is a kind of a thought that's kind of people who promote abortion try to like shove in our faces like look you kind of stuck here but there is a way out Um, I'm now going to talk about I just wanted you to kind of have like the scientific background and I know that's not a lot of a background but just enough to kind of tell you that it really would be important I know I'm going to continue to research it Um, it's him and another guy and they're teaching a class and so I mean it is kind of long but it's on YouTube you can pause it can stop it and um I think it is really important that we kind of know what we're dealing with I know in college I had a friend who thought she was pregnant and who's going to get an abortion and all I could say was no that's wrong like that's killing you can't do that but I didn't really have any thoughts to back that up of course I thought I had some scripture but I really wasn't sure how to explain that either so we're going to kind of talk about that but before you do that um the Old Testament um, and kind of ancient child sacrificing and what they were doing. Could, would anyone be willing to read some verses for me in Leviticus 21 through 5? That would really help me out if you look that up real quick. Um, Moses is kind of warning the people that they are going to go into a land and to kind of just stay away from what their culture is going to be like. And we know that God, from the beginning of time, has, has told us to be separate from the world. And Moses is here telling the Israelites, you're going to have to be separate. You're going to have to be different, and it's going to be tempting to become like them, but, but you're my people, so you're going to have to be separate. Does anyone have that and want to read? you. So Molech is kind of described in I think 1 Kings 11 and 7 and Deuteronomy 1231. We're not going to read those but you can just write them down kind of as a resource 1 Kings 11 and 7 and Deuteronomy 1231. Molech is like the detestable god of the Ammonites. So it is this false idol. It is a false god that the um the people were worshiping and Moses is warning them, they're going to be sacrificing their children, don't do it. And if we continue, um, I found a couple of interesting quotes that I'm going to read and explain. Um, And they make this connection between the time of Moses and then the time of this place called Carthage. They said, recent archaeological evidence in the former territory of the Ammonites from the period of the conquest supports biblical testimony that child sacrifice was practiced in Jordan roughly around the time of Moses. Molech also um, has the same root as, Molech, if you're writing it down as M-O-L-E-C-H, has the same root as the word mulk, M-U-L-K, which is found inscribed on several burial monuments at the Carthage Giving or sorry at the Carthage burial monuments on this um, at this cemetery which gives linguistic evidence for the continuity between the practice of child sacrifice in Canaan and Carthage. So Carthage was found in 1921 and is the largest cemetery of sacrificed infants. There are hundreds of buried urn- urns of cremated children from infants to six years old. Hundreds and hundreds of buried children. This is Carthage, and they're what they're doing here is they're kind of linking this, saying that they're really sure that this is at the same time of that this is in the same place, the same kind of people who Moses would have been warning them about. Um, and we've got a couple a linguistic connection here, and it's kind of the archaeological evidence also. Um, Carthage however refers to the sacrificial offerings so it was all like we're giving we're giving and in Leviticus when Moses is talking he's referring to the God who demands a sacrifice in my mind that sounds really similar you're demanding a sacrifice or I have to give a sacrifice I don't I or I can give a sacrifice but it was still like you were frowned upon if you didn't if it's a sacrifice then it sounds like you have to do it so I think there's definitely a strong connection here. Um, the biblical punishment for child sacrificing um, in Leviticus 20 describes capital punishment or stoning to death. Um, of course, now that is not how we deal with things. There is repentance. Um, but I think we need to go into this with our eyes wide open and um, be very aware of what we are doing. Um, so capital punishment was the, was the punishment for um, sacrificing your child. And God would set his face against the offender or the person who was sacrificing. And I find it interesting, the rest of that scripture says, he is going to set his face against those that turn their head at the sacrifices. If we are not aware, we do not preach, We do not teach and we do not instruct, not only like in our church, but you know, people that we talk to. And of course you can't talk them out of everything, but I think it's important for us to study to be aware of what we should be teaching them. If we don't turn our heads, then God is going to set his face against us too. So I think that's really important to kind of look at there. Um, The... Offensive sacrificing is recognized as sin in three different ways. Sin against God, sin against family, and sin against community. It's a sin against God um, because it's, it's described in Scripture as defiling His sanctuary, profaning His holy name, and spiritual prostitution. Of course, we read in Scripture several times that when the Israelites... Um, turned their back against God they were considered an adulterous nation because they refused to be, to serve the one true God and when they were going down into this land and sacrificing their children to other idols then they were an adulterous nation Um, scripture many times provides that children are a blessing from the Lord and I think we've all heard that we know the stories of um sarah and hannah and rachel when they were barren they begged prayed pleaded that the lord would bless them with a child and eve after the fall we just talked about this in my sixth grade bible class in genesis 4 1 she says i have gotten a man from the lord right after the fall chapter 3 talks about the fall of man in the first verse of chapter 4 she recognizes I have gotten a man from the Lord she she had a son and she recognized that that son was from God that this was a blessing and so we have to be careful and I know that a lot of that was um kind of their customs for women to have they had to have children it was like if you didn't have children, you were nothing. Of course, that's not really, that's not the same in our culture now. But still, when God does give you the blessing, it, it is a blessing. And to take that away and say, I don't really want it, is really questioning God. So, of course, we have Eve. And one author said, if God approved abortion, he would be essentially saying that his value judgments are sometimes wrong. Whenever people disregard the creator's true value judgments, they dethrone God and by their sin defile the temple in which he dwells, which is the temple of our own body. We can read in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. 19. Um, the sin against family, we can see that this is obviously a destruction of the family unit. Um, obviously you're taking away your children and that. I mean, that could be nothing else but destruction of the family unit. Um, I would also agree that it is sin against the community. I've heard it said that what if God created the per- person to cure AIDS and cancer, but we have aborted those people? So, what if God did create the person to create or to create the cure for cancer, but we as a culture have aborted? that child and those thoughts um so again with sin against the community um last night I was just kind of looking up pictures of of babies being aborted and I literally just started weeping babies I've never met babies I felt like I, I didn't have an emotional attachment to I suddenly had an emotional attachment to um it's very eye opening and very devastating. And I do feel like it is a sin against the community because those weren't those weren't my children. Th- those were children of people I, I don't know. And I think that if someone is questioning you on whether abortion is right or, or it's wrong, I think you should take them there. And I, I think there's a right way to do that. I think it, there's a, a way to, you know, be polite and comforting because they're, you know, they're at a crossroad and they need to make the right decision. But I, I definitely think you should take them there. Just, I mean, you can just Google it, abortion. And thousands of pictures come up. And it is really devastating. Um, before I go on to describe really the parallels between Um, ancient sacrificing and abortion now I want to talk about uh, in the book I have this book and I brought it because I wanted to recommend it I bought it for like a dollar at half price books but it's called The Assumptions That Affect Our Lives A Clash and Contrast Between Greek Philosophy and Hebrew Wisdom and Their Role in Shaping Western Christianity Um, it's by Christian Overman and it's a really good book because it talks about how our ideas now have been kind of shaped thoughts in Greece and Athens and um, the difference between Hebrew wisdom and Greek philosophy. So it's really interesting. Um, Athen, in Athens they were given um, 10 days to decide if they wanted to keep their baby. And I don't mean 10 days after conception. I mean 10 days after birth. Um, you just had 10 days. That was normal. That's what they did. So you have a baby on this day? Ten days later, well, you want to keep it or not? Does it cry too much? Is it a little too loud? Is it annoying? You think it's going to cost you too much money? You can just get rid of it. Um, but doctors uh, could not perform um, like a killing of this child because they were under oath that they wouldn't kill, that they would help. So doctors were not allowed to do this. Um... It had to be a Greek midwife is, is kind of who stepped up in that role. Um, however, today, doctors are allowed to do this and kind of... I wish the camera was still in here. Um, um, kind of pushed to be okay with it. Not kind of. They are pushed to be okay with it. And I just think it's interesting that in Athens, all these years ago, their doctors weren't allowed to do it because they said they were going to help... take care of humanity not destroy it um we also see adolf hitler in germany um kids children were sent to the children's divisions to be killed if they had um a few difficulties like if they had badly molded ears they were sent here to die um if they wetted the bed which I'm sure in that kind of environment these children are under all of this pressure I'm I'm sure a lot of them did um, psychological or psychologists know that that's kind of a, an effect when children are like overwhelmed and of course in this atmosphere they're gonna be really overwhelmed so all these kids are sent to die um, because of they were bedwetters wetters and uh, or if they were difficult to educate so I've had a lot of difficult to educate children but, I mean, that's not something that crosses our mind. You don't, you don't, a normal person doesn't think like that. And yet, and we all, I mean, everyone, I would say in this room is, is against, you know, the Adolf Hitler beliefs. And it's like, well, you killed them for no reason. And I feel like our culture, I mean, he had reasons, but they weren't worth what he was asking. And so sometimes I feel like people in our culture are put in a situation to ask is, is, is abortion the right choice? And I think that we need to be wise in guiding them that I, I know you're asking a question here and I know, I know you have a reason maybe, but it's not worth what you're asking for. Um, in 1982, actually in Indiana, Um, parents had a child, I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl, but they had Down Syndrome, and they gave the parents rights, this was in 1982, so this is not yesterday, but not too long ago, um, they gave the parents right, um, to withhold food or medicine from this child because it had Down Syndrome, and so they said that it it probably wasn't fit to live, and they could withhold these things and then it's not they wouldn't like go and kill the baby but they would just withhold food and medicine um and I just find that astounding because I'm like in 1982 of course it was in the news and it was a big deal and and they handled it and we can't do that now but can we I know that doctors you know are really into giving test and making sure the baby is fine and if something's wrong with the baby, then oh well, you probably it's probably in your best interest to abort the baby for these complications. Um, being having my degree in special education, I was just dumbfounded that this is this is what they did with this little baby with Down syndrome and I, I'm sure most of you know someone with Down syndrome and they're just the happiest kind of funniest people. <laughs> You have ever met because their their outlook on life is just kind of like what I wish my outlook on life was sometimes. But um, going back to Adolf Hitler talking about how they were killed, you know, with badly molded ears or difficult to educate or if they wetted the bed. Today in abortion, we're not even we're not giving them a chance to to look at their ears and we're not giving them a chance to to wet the bed and we're not giving them a chance to be difficult to educate and I and I'm not speaking to you because I know that you are I I know that you guys in here know the difference between life and death but I want you to be educated so I hope no one thinks I'm just like harping at you but I think it's really good for us to be able to tell people when they ask us Because I think they will ask us, and I don't think it'll always be in a negative way, kind of to prove us wrong, but kind of in a way of, okay, well, what what do you think then? Or what does the Bible say? Um, So now we're going to talk about the parallels of ancient sacrificing and abortion. Um, They both got rid of their offspring um, to sacrifice their children. They were letting go of a child that they had already held, that they had already loved, that they had already seen. abortion now they are getting rid of a child they were never given a chance to hold Um, but we know that a lot of people who research shows that a lot of people who go through with abortions um, end up on the other side regretting it I know my high school English teacher told us a story she was very very liberal and here I am this little conservative carrying my Thompson chain Bible to class I am sure I'm not sure what she thought of me actually but she told us that her friend in high school got pregnant and didn't want to have the baby and at that time I think it wasn't allowed in Indiana so she had to go to Kentucky I'm not really sure on that but um, so her friend went to Kentucky without telling her parents and tried to have an abortion and whenever they were trying to inject something into the baby, they actually injected into her. And so then they had to call her parents, and her parents had to come get her. They had to put her in the hospital um, and, she, you know, was taken care of. She ended up having the baby. And she's now married to the guy that she had that baby with, and they have three other children. So they have four children. She tried to abort the first. And I just... I mean, I'm sure that's never something that she's talked about with her daughter. Like how, how would you start that conversation? I, I, I tried to abort you. I think that we have to be careful in not only what we do, but what we're, we're telling other people and you research and you study stories like that one, because I remember that kind of struck me to my core, this liberal, liberal teacher is telling us in high school, you know, be careful what you're thinking with abortion. Um, she didn't tell us it was wrong. She didn't tell us it was right. But she was a voice. And I, and I hope that she spoke to a lot of my high school classmates that probably have been faced with that decision. Um, the second parallel that we kind of have here is to avoid danger or gain success. Uh, in the ancient times... They sacrificed children because they had committed a vow to this false idol or felt indebted to a false god or wanted this false god to give them success. It was kind of like, I'll give you my child, you give me success. Um, We we kind of do abortions a little bit differently, um, but commonly because having a baby would hinder my successful life. I need to finish school. I don't have time. I don't have the resources, I don't want to. And so there's an interesting parallel there. Um another one is pregnancies from adultery or fornication in both ancient sacrificing and abortions if you're not married, then if you were hiding it or um whatever, then it was just kind of acceptable. Now it's acceptable to do it before it's born, then it was acceptable to do it after. It was like, well, you couldn't hide it during the pregnancy, but after the child was born, you could go and sacrifice it and you never had to see that child again. It was hidden. I definitely think that's an interesting parallel. Another one is the wealthy overpower the poor. In sacrificing, um, wealthy people would literally buy the poor people's children to sacrifice so they wouldn't have to sacrifice their own children when I read that I think I had to read it twice I was like what so there's these poor people that they don't have money they don't have the resources and they know what these wealthy people are buying their children for but because they need money because they're you know okay with living in this type of culture they're okay with selling their children to be sacrificed for someone else's success not even their own but they're going to get success because they're the ones going to sacrifice the child I I was just shocked that this was going on at any time in any culture and then when I read how it kind of parallels with us I was even more shocked and appalled. one writer says, one, wonder, one wonders whether some wealthy policymakers hope to control population growth among the poor under the guise of goodwill. Meaning that, are there, are there a wealthy people kind of promoting abortion to kind of end this generation of Poor families. My mind doesn't usually think like that. But when I read that. Obviously I don't have any facts on that. But I think that's an important question. To kind of ask ourselves. And to kind of ask other people. Is this going on in our culture? Are we voting for people. That are allowing this to go on in our culture? It's definitely an interesting thought. Um. Um. Another reason uh, to sacrifice your child was you would you would sacrifice what they called um, defective child for a healthy one. So Rachel, help me with this. Carthi- Carthaginians we practiced last night, still can't get it. Carthaginians sacrificed defective children in exchange for healthy ones. So um, I think one guy had like a mute son, and it you know is documented that he sacrificed the mute child. Someone that was not able to speak in hopes that this false idol would give him another child and that it would be able to speak. It was like his sacrifice. You take this one back, I'll just have another kid. Um abortions now. They at like we talked about before, doctors kind of urge people that are like, Well, there might be some abnormalities here. It's kind of suspected that something's going on. I think we should do this test. I have it written down here. I cannot read it. I was hoping. She would tell us. Um, But they do these tests. And then if you are, if it is that your child is going to have some kind of problem living, then it's like kind of pushed that you abort the child. It's not even like, oh, do you just want to? Are you thinking about it? It's kind of suggested. And that's our culture today. Both are trading in a child that isn't what the parents typically wanted and in, in hopes for a better, better child. Um, the method of sacrificing, um, is also, is just kind of similar. Um, I don't know how much the parallel really speaks here, but it is interesting in the sac in sacrificing to gods, there was this large idol, like what you imagine in your mind, like an image, you know, crafted out and the Idol's hands were kind of outstretched like this and when they sacrificed the children they would put the child in the hands and then would fall into this pit of fire and so the children were being dropped and burned to death um, which if you like just stop and really think about it I, I just don't like to think about stuff like that I don't think a lot of people do and then if you just let it kind of catch up with your conscience it's like what? what? they were burning these children for their own success um and now abortion with the saline abortion the dying infant is chemically burnt and and so we do kind of do the same thing um looking at all of the reasons I think there are six parallels um it's really selfish because I want success this child isn't what I wanted Um, I don't want anyone to know about my sin I wanna avoid having to talk about it I wanna be more wealthy so it's really selfish and I think that in a kind way if you were dealing with someone that was you know contemplating abortion you would kindly explain. This is really selfish. Kind of going back to abortions and just talking about what we have today, I pulled up some statistics. I wasn't going to give them, and then I just kept reading more of them, and I was just like, how can I not talk about it? From 1973 to 2011, 54.5 million abortions that is 234 abortions to every 1,000 live births that is 1.2 million abortions a year 3,288 every day 137 children killed an hour Nine abortions every four minute every four minutes, or one abortion every 26 seconds. However, this count only includes surgical and medical abortions. This does not include chemicals like given in the form of a medicine or a drug to take, which pharmacists. Would suggest that this would add another 610 million since 1965. So we're not dealing with um, a low number here. This is a lot, a lot, a lot of babies being born. And last night, when I looked at those pictures, I was like, God what is happening to all these babies what what happens and I I don't have an actual answer for you but I was very broken and I think that people who have gone through with abortions probably also feel very broken whether they admit it or whether they keep that inside I think most people would feel devastated that they chose to do that. Um, If we can turn to Psalms 139 really quickly, Um, this is a pretty famous passage. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. This is, of course, David speaking, and he says, For thou hast possessed. Possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. I was really interested in kind of looking what these words meant. So, God covered us in the womb from the very beginning. We see that God is talking about in the womb, He is covering you. Covering means weave together. Um, wonderfully made actually can mean to distinguish fearfully and wonderfully made how divine to know that our creator is really our creator weaving us together marvelous are his works and he is distinguishing us he is really knowing us if we can now turn to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 it says before I formed thee in the belly I knew thee before thou camest forth out of the womb I sanctify thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations so this is Jeremiah here and he's saying the word of the Lord came unto me saying before I formed thee in the belly I knew thee I was interested with the words meant here knew here also means to distinguish or acknowledge so before I formed thee in the belly I acknowledged you. I knew you. I distinguished you against everyone else. I I knew that you were a separate being. And before you came out of your mother's womb, I I sanctified thee. Sanctify can mean to prepare or to set apart. I, I had prepared you for something great. So in the womb... I prepared you. I set you apart. I knew you. I distinguished you against, uh, from other people. I wasn't confusing you as just an embryo. I wasn't confusing you with just another being, but I knew you were separate. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Ordained means given, designated, permit, or entrusted. I trust, entrusted in you to be prophet for my nation I designated you I I find it so interesting that it's not just an embryo to be discarded but God already had plans for our life I don't know about you but that kind of makes me like excited to know that before I was even born God had a plan for my life even when I begin to question God and begin to say okay like now what now what are you going to do now like, don't you see my life circumstances? He's saying, no, no. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had plans for you. I had thoughts for you. I, I had already distinguished you from everyone else. Don't, don't worry about all of that. I've got it all in our control. But will we make ourselves like God, dethrone him and say, we know more that this life doesn't deserve to live? say that he is flawed for letting this life live. I know that there are difficult situations surrounding contemplating abortion. I know that there are an abundance of reasons why people would say, I, I think this w- is my only choice. But it's important to realize and to point out to people who are contemplating this that God never allows one sin to reverse another. Just like I taught my kindergartners, just like I'm teaching my middle schoolers, and just like any of you who have children are teaching them, you, you can't lie to cover up a sin. You can't do one thing wrong to fix another thing wrong. You have to be truthful. You have to be honest. You, you can't have an abortion to cover up t- your sin or even someone else's sin. I think we have to be careful in explaining that but I think that with the right attitude and in prayer and research that we can explain that because it's easy to dethrone God In in anything not just selfishness and committing abortion but in that I want to do what I want to do and I think it's important for us to be prayerful and mindful every day of God I put you on the throne today I put you where you belong today because God is God and and I am not whether that's contemplating abortion or that's just me wanting to live in my own sinfulness and I can also appreciate we we um, we talked about Cain and Abel and my Old Testament Bible characters and how Cain obviously committed his, or killed his his brother. And, and we know that, and everyone knows the story. But God asks him a question and says, where, where is your brother? And he says, am I supposed to take care of my brother? Am I my brother's keeper? And, he, and I think God was, before he did that, when he just didn't give the right sacrifice, he said, don't you know that if you do the right thing, I'll, I'll still reward you? Even after you've made a mistake, I'll still bless you? And I think when dealing with people... That maybe already had an abortion we have to be careful in saying God God will still forgive you and of course judgment begins at the house of the Lord so I think we do have to be careful when we're talking to people because you know you never know it, it might be their their second abortion and so we have to be careful in e- explaining these things um, And then just the last thing, and then I'll be done, that I kind of wanted to talk about is that my little sister is adopted, and um, I know this doesn't really have anything to do with abortion, but it it links together. Um, She was adopted when I was three years old. She was six weeks old, and her biological mother um, had had several, I actually, I don't know how many. It could have been two. It could have been more. I don't really know, but had had at least one abortion before my little sister And, um, I remember when my mom told me that, that her mother had had these other abortions. I mean, I was little and I remember thinking that means she, she was going to abort her too. I'm not exactly sure of, of what happened to change her mind. Um, but I'm really glad because course that's my little sister she's been around driving me nuts ever since I'm just kidding um I love her and so that is always an option and I do have a personal connection to it and I am definitely a proponent of adoption and there are definitely difficulties that arise in that too and I think that should be talked about also when explaining those to people but um thank you for listening I know this was not the easiest lesson to listen to Just love challenging you with difficult topics.